Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. All right, welcome to today's podcast. Today's kind of an interesting day. Elizabeth and I are in our home currently uh, in Bend, Oregon, and Phil and Diane, you guys are at your home in Portland, Oregon. Hi, guys. Yes, we are. Hi. 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 We're so excited to be able to come to you in the comfort of your home from the comfort of our home. So we usually do all these podcasts together because we all like each other and like being together. <laughs> and it, we just find a synergy there. But given the circumstances, we decided we don't want that to stop us from being able to put out um, any kind of content to help during this season. And we've had some stuff on our heart. And so we wanted to kind of set up today. And today's episode is going to be fun, a little, going to be some practical stuff for sure, but a little conceptual as well. And we want to set up this idea of creating the kingdom at home, of creating this space of bringing God's kingdom into your home very strategically during this time when we find ourselves at home more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, how, Phil and Diane, how are you guys doing uh, at home? How's your health? How's it? being, you know, in your home, how's your rhythms been affected, all that kind of stuff? Well, <laughs> we're doing great. I mean, I don't have the coronavirus as far as I know. I mean, you know, <laughs> they say you can have it and not know you have it, but uh, I'm doing great. Diane's doing great. And, uh, you know, I think I said, and when I did a, uh, a podcast the other day or an Instagram story that as difficult as this is, for us all to go through. And there's, there's a lot of people hurting. There's actually a gift in it. Yes. Uh, suddenly we have to have to ask ourselves, what am I going to do with this time and how am I going to develop these new rhythms? And so for me, uh, it, it's, it's actually been a really good thing. It caused me to rethink uh-huh. some things. And uh-huh. that's really important. You know, the Bible talks about redeeming the time in Ephesians chapter five, it says making the most of every opportunity or redeeming the time. Uh, because the days are evil. And I think uh, that's the gift in it. It's caused us all to get a little more introspective and do some introspection. And if the Lord leads, do some redirection. Mm. uh, Because we're suddenly realizing this, the world isn't as secure as maybe we thought it was. And it causes Mm -hmm. us to look at at really what are we building our lives on? What what kind of foundations? Of course, Jesus is the foundation that we want to build on. But uh, I think that's been good for me. Yeah, Diane, how about you? For me as an introvert, this is like the way I like to live. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Not to make light of the genuine hardship, so many, and an anxiety that is true in so many people's lives. But honestly, for me, this has allowed me to pick up a project that I've been trying to get to and not been able to find space for, writing another book. And um, that is just joy to me. So I'm calling this like a sabbatical, you know, where you stop 
regular work and you you either get an education or you write a book or you do something you've been longing to do. So, of course, we are not holed up with a bunch of little kids at home. <laughs> it's a very different reality. Just one fairly obedient toddler dog. But she's right. <laughs> Writing a book on marriage, so we're having some interesting conversations. Oh, yeah. So I actually, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I was going to say, I think people listening might be excited to know that you guys are currently writing a book on marriage, which I know, just as a quick little side note before we kind of give you our perspective of this whole corona thing, but uh, even even a few weeks ago, you remember we we went to come and meet together and we started a meeting and you guys were so kind. You're like, how are you guys doing? And it had been a stressful couple weeks. I was kind of out of it a little bit. Years, or years, couple years. Uh, a little <laughs> depressed and out of it. I just didn't feel myself. Elizabeth didn't either. And you guys were so great. You just swooped in. We're like, all right, stop everything. We're going to talk about all of this. How are you guys doing? You guys just asked thousands of questions. We sat and literally, I think six hours went by mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, wisdom and listening and prayer later, we feel so much better. So thank you for that. I know how much you've deposited into our life. And I know what you guys are writing right now is going to be such a gift. So I will let you guys know when it comes out. But man, we're Elizabeth and I are excited. We get to spend time mm-hmm. with you all the time, but uh, excited to even delve into that. So thank you for doing that. We're really excited to, mm-hmm. to hear it and read it. And thank you again for opening your hearts to us because you cannot believe that. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine the pleasure of when your kids grow up and and actually ask you to help them untangle some of the knots that come along in real life, having knowing that we've had to untangle plenty of knots of our own and found the answers in scriptures. So mm. it's, it's amazing joy, a part of this raising passionate Jesus followers that none of us could have foreseen in the future that we mm-hmm. actually need to be part of um, using our story to help you over the humps in your story. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Our thousands and thousands of parents who listen to the Intentional Parents uh, message are going to have the same joy that we're having one day when their own kids are going to actually have such a good and close relationship with them and such trust that they can open up their hearts. This is the way God intended the family to be. Multi-generational, the family together as a team and mm. the older pouring into the younger and the younger pouring into the older. And so it's it's just God's design and nobody does it perfectly, but but it's it's a beautiful thing when you see it happening. So, Phil, I'm going to have you share uh, something from Matthew 6. Before I do, Elizabeth, who is taking the brunt of this, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we already started homeschooling, but how are you? Just give us a, a minute on how you're doing during this whole time. Well, this week, a lot better. Last week, <laughs> comically <laughs> terrible. Um, any of you that are familiar with the Myers Briggs, there's your last number is a J or a P. Basically, P's are really flexible and J's are not. Um, <laughs> J's are like masters of a plan and they want to stick to the plan. And so I found myself <laughs> really floundering in my J-ness and the plan changing every two minutes. And Brooke was trying to work from home, but he was actually having to work in our driveway in his car. Because I'm trying to homeschool the big kids and the toddlers think that when dad's home, it's just, let's just have a party and dad can't possibly be busy doing something else. Absolutely. So we're finding our way for sure. And I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like this like awakening in me of, I I wouldn't say that I feel like I have much more time. Brooke, you're still working like crazy. And this was kind of our normal rhythm of homeschooling anyway, but but yet I'm realizing I do actually have more time because we're not 
out doing things and um and our rhythms have definitely changed and i actually feel like um it's awakening in me a lot of creativity and a lot of i think deeper thinking i think when we're constantly on the go and rushed and in our normal rhythm we cannot have space for that especially when our kids are young and there's just a lot of noise so i would say yeah, if you would have asked me last week, I was like all the memes going around on Instagram of moms going crazy. And this week, I'm feeling a little better. We're trying some new things. Yes. And um, yeah, I just, I feel, I feel God doing something in our family that I can't even quite fully articulate yet. Yes. More on that later. I think we should definitely yeah. have some processing and sharing. But we want to talk about this concept of the kingdom at home and how we actually press into that. How do we create that during this time? Um, and Phil, would you, I know you had a, as we were chatting before, you had a verse you wanted to share. So why don't, maybe you could start us off with that. Yeah. In Matthew uh, chapter six is where we we see uh, one of the accounts of the Lord's prayer, what we call the Lord's prayer. Jesus never called it the Lord's prayer. But uh, his disciples had asked him, teach us to pray. And, uh, and, and so he gave what really is kind of a model prayer. It's not to be uh, something that's, you know, repeated over and over as a, as a creed, but a model in how we are to pray. And, and before I comment on that, you know, as I'm looking at it here, I see this other phrase that I have underlined uh, in my Bible just before he, he gives what we call the Lord's Prayer. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Yes. And time I read this, and I've seen it happen now in my life where I've cried out for something, and bam, the answer is right there. And sometimes it was a letter arriving in the mail that was sent before I asked, so the Father knew what I needed. And I wrote in my Bible here, He knows my needs. And so I just wanted to say that to those of you listening, and you say, has God forgotten me, or you know, where is He in the midst of this crisis? He knows, he knows what you need before you even ask Him, which doesn't mean we don't ask Him. Anyway, so in this response of teach us to pray, he said, pray then in this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we all heard this prayer, prayed this prayer, we know this prayer, but the phrase your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven brings up the whole idea of the kingdom and what is the kingdom? It's a huge concept. Uh, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, the, the kingdom, uh, the, the best way I can describe it, is wherever we find the rule and reign of Jesus in our hearts, the kingdom is there. And so um, we are to bring kingdom everywhere we go. Of course, we could only do that when he's ruling and reigning in our hearts. So as the father, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus needs to be king and Lord in my life. And Diane he needs to be king and Lord of her life, and we need to be lifting our own lives up to him regularly, confessing all sin and, and, and forsaking anything that isn't of the kingdom. And then those of us with children then have the privilege of bringing the kingdom to our children. And so thinking of not, not you know, at our church, we say uh, in West Portland as it is in heaven, John Mark's church down in Bridgetown in Portland as it is in heaven. Uh, what about the thought in our homes as it is in heaven, in my mm. home as it is in heaven? Wow, what if if the kingdom of God is right here in my home because the rule and reign of Jesus is right here, and we're going to speak to one another in a way that Jesus would speak. We're going to treat each other in a way that Jesus would treat because the family is the basic unit of society, and this is where it all begins. 
with mom and dad walking with God and bringing the presence of Jesus to their kids. So uh, I love this idea of the kingdom at home. And during this coronavirus season where we're home more, so many of us working from home, uh, e- even though it's a crisis and some are losing their jobs, you are at home more. And and we can, um, we can try to run from that or we can press into it and make the best of it and actually take advantage of this time, this extended time with our kids to really uh, do some resetting of values and bringing the kingdom to our kids. Yeah. Diane, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know that this is obviously something that you've lived out a lot when you were raising your own kids, but what's your perspective on, obviously we agree, yes and amen, uh, but what what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I love this concept. So, and I think this idea is what sums up what Phil and I set out to create mm-hmm. in our home from the very beginning. Unfortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of models to understand what it looks like. So the idea of tossing this out to those of you who are listening right now is to, to get this idea in your hearts and wrap your hearts around it as early as possible mm-hmm. is... I hope a gift for you. Um, The idea is that our home becomes this place of refuge. It's it's not perfect, it's not idealistic, it's not um, a fairy tale life by any means, because at home we are our truest selves, but we're also our worst selves. You know, the parts of us (laughs) out, you know, that scripture uses that idea of that. When trials come, it's like heating gold to a point where the dross, the imperfections rise to the surface. And and it's not the true self when you have a meltdown with your kids. It's not their true self when your kids persistently act in ways and talk in ways that they oughtn't. Yeah. It is dross rising to the surface. And home is where a lot of that happens. So it's not idealistic. But it's the idea of that everything we say, every time, every thought we allow to rumble around in our heads, everything we do with our time, everything we watch on TV, everything we watch, we let our kids watch on screens, it all is kingdom stuff. Yes. And the idea that it's not all spiritual stuff, it's not all Bible reading and holiness. Yeah. Sometimes is something as simple as helping your daughter to braid her hair in a way that makes her feel beautiful and simple things are bringing the kingdom is kindness at home Mm. and so it's very conceptual and i'm you know i have a daughter elizabeth who's eminently practical so we're going to look to her during this podcast i think to make sure that she can actually put feet on the ideas that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I think we need to ask ourselves, are we living in such a way that honors Jesus Christ? Really? Yes, simple. And, yeah. and, 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 and I think we need to ask that question constantly, you know, is what we're watching honor the Lord, listening to honor the Lord, the way we treat each other honor the Lord. Because of course we want to. We're, we're all going to stand before him one day and we want to hear his well done. And it's not going to be, you know, okay, let's see, for that year, this is how I grade you. No, it's it's every moment of every day is an opportunity for us to live uh, and bring his kingdom. So, Yeah, and that sacred, you know, secular divide, it's that idea for a long time. There was all these things that were uh, really, really 
obviously there's bad things and there's good things. We both uh, totally agree with that. But I think a lot of life, our, our whole life is filled with the spirit. Your whole life is spiritual. Everything in many ways as we live in our life and breathe and walk, you know, it's Deuteronomy. As you're going, that idea that when you rise up, when you fall asleep, every part of your life, we're, we're trying to create every moment to be a moment that is filled with the spirit. But yeah, honey, I'm, I'm curious, as your mom said, uh, how is this looking in our life? I know you have a really good pulse on this and have processed this more than I have. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind actually is conceptual and not super practical. Um, you are conceptual. But it's just that, you know, I think just like we hear all the time in the church, the church is not a building, it's the people, right? Even though we can naturally gravitate towards it's a building, it's a service on Sunday, and then we go home and that's all it is. But it's not. It's all of us followers of Jesus. We are the church. And I think the same too with our homes. Our homes are are not our actual houses. You can create an environment of home where the kingdom is flourishing and where your children want to be and you want to be, and you can move every year and you can live all over the world. It's not the actual building that we're creating that is our home. Although all those things help and things being warm and inviting and candles burning and all of that create an atmosphere. But really our homes are the family meals that we all love that become like the our family traditions. We always have nachos on Sunday night or for us, we always have <laughs> pancakes on Saturday morning. Like th- those are the things that make home the certain smells we remember, the laundry detergent our moms used, <laughs> the, you know, what we remember seeing when we came down the stairs in the morning. Like those are the things that create a home. And so I think in this time when we're home a lot and we're able to slow down and maybe notice these moments a little bit more. And I, I say slow down loosely because if you're at home with, with any amount of children, your rhythm hasn't really slowed down. <laughs> um, yeah. You're just getting less alone time or time with friends. But, um, but I think when, when it, life is moving at a different pace and we can have that perspective that everything we're doing, the meals we're sharing around a table, even though it's making them lunch one more time, that, you know, I keep hearing moms talk about, I'm not used to having to feed my kids this much. Normally they're at school. They're not wanting snacks all day. <laughs> like, welcome to the club. The kitchen yeah. is just an ever revolving door. It never closes until they're in bed. But if we can start to notice these moments as recognizing that God is in all of those moments and not as an intimidating way of like, oh man, I have to perform perfectly in all of those moments. That means his grace is there in all of those moments. His forgiveness is there. His calling and perspective is there. And if we can just notice them for what they are, even, and like you said, Brooke, not separating the spiritual versus um, the non-spiritual, like it is, it can be just as spiritual to sit with your daughter on the couch with her on your lap and read her a book as it is to try to go through a Bible study with your kids and memorize scripture. Like in that moment, we are having closeness with our physical bodies. We're having time and attention. I love what John Mark's been saying recently that's just stuck out to me is we don't have a body. We are a body. Like we don't, it's not just our mind that we give to Christ. It's our whole self. It's everything we do with ourselves, how we eat, how we exercise, how we physically spend time together as a family. I think if we can really try to have that perspective that everything, Jesus is in everything we're doing if we let him, and which means he's also inviting us into things that we might not have noticed before. And I think right now is such a good time to just ask God, what do you want me to notice? Mm. You know, 
I'm listening to you talk, of course, you know, I, I like to bring a scripture into everything, yeah, but just please do. the blue, uh, we're talking about the kingdom at home, but, you know, in Paul's language, it's different, Colossians chapter 3, exactly what you just said, listen to this, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father, mm-hmm. whatever you do, whatever in you word do. or in deed. Yeah. And it's interesting, right after that, it goes right into the family. Wives, be submissive to your husband. Husbands, love your wives. Children, be obedient to your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Servant, you know, so it goes right into the family. And so oh, yeah. uh, I just think really what we're trying to say, do, does our home honor the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever we do in word or deed? And so one good. of the things that I'm, you know, as we, last week, Phil, you jumped on Instagram and kind of shared a story which was interesting of, of, you know, obviously where we're at currently is it's a, everyone in the world's affected by this in one way or another. We're all finding uh, that we're affected by this. And this is a really unique time. And even as of today, you know, uh, we have another 30 days under our belt uh, before uh, even the idea of quarantine or, or sorry, the idea of, uh, you know, social distancing is over and all that stuff. And, and this isn't the first time our world has obviously had uh, plague or tragedy, but I think you shared a good uh, a story from your life and your family's life, and you started, and it made me intrigued, and I know some people too. So maybe could you just give us kind of like the the backstory of that, and then I'd love to hear from Diane what was your perspective of that story, and then I hear all the time because I'm married to Elizabeth, I hear that that this story that you were going to share is her first memory. So I'd love to, it's a unique story where all three of you were in it and involved in a different angle and it was intense. So Phil, maybe just give us a few minutes on that. Yeah, it is Elizabeth's first memory and she just turned four a couple months before. But yeah, this this isn't the first crisis the world has been through. And, and those of you that love to study history, you know, there's been so many uh, uh, sicknesses that have swept through the, the world and often various parts of the world. But um, Jesus said before he returned, there would be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, viruses, epidemics. And so we're in the midst of this one, and it is unique in that it's global because of globalization. But it's not the first crisis um, that, of course, we've been through. Of course, we're older now. But in 1989, we were living in the Bay Area uh, in Santa Cruz, California, and the 1989 October Bay Area earthquake struck. And um, many of you remember that, even though you were maybe very young. It, it came during the Major League Baseball World Series that was being played in Oakland, California, across the bay from San Francisco. It happened during a game. Wow. And uh, But the epicenter was a mile from where we lived. And so I was in my office. It was 5.04, just after 5 o'clock. I was wrapping up preparing to preach on Sunday and the whole, we were in this uh, really nice three-story Victorian with brick fireplaces everywhere. And the whole building began to shake and walls were buckling and all the brick chimneys were, were just collapsing and throwing dust and bricks into the building. And I jumped up from my desk and got out, you know, growing up there, I'd been through earthquakes before, but I kept waiting for this one to stop. And this one kept going and going. And I got outside and I looked down towards downtown Santa Cruz and saw a huge dust cloud rising. And that one of the old brick buildings that had no steel reinforcement had just collapsed. And one of the deaths happened there. But most of the deaths happened in Oakland where a freeway um, overpass collapsed. People were killed. Major League Baseball players were running off of the field up into the stands to see if their wife was okay. My parents were at that game. 
uh, picked up the phone. Phones were dead. Uh, gas lines were breaking. I couldn't get, you know, back then, no cell phones. <laughs> and so yeah. how did I find out if Diane and my Matthew wasn't born yet? My three little kids, Jamark was nine, Rebecca was six, Elizabeth just turned four. Are they okay? Wow. Uh, and so I tried to get home. I couldn't get on the freeway because the on-ramp had collapsed a foot. So you ran into, uh, you couldn't get on the freeway. So I had to use all these back roads and, and finally got home. But, um, so it was a terrifying moment. But then if you've ever been through an earthquake, a strong one like this, there are a series, a whole bunch of aftershocks where just as violent of shaking, but not quite as long. And now, uh, it was terrifying. And so our kids were scared. Elizabeth was the youngest. And so um, what do you do in a time like that? You know, do, do you freak out in front of your kids or do you see this as a time to pull them close to you and bring them to the God who is in charge of the world, who holds the world in his hands, who 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 is going to protect and be there for them? And so uh, I remember we, you know, the phones are dead. So we had a, a radio. <laughs> so we a radio battery powered radio so you can tune into radio stations. The only way you could hear news is see what was going on. And so we pulled all of the mattresses onto the floor in the family room. We had this kind of great room in this house. And we all slept there and had the radio going and cuddled up next to each other with our dog. And that was our life for a while. And um, it was several days before power came back and our neighbor across the street was really an older guy and he was really having a hard time. And uh, and, and so when you go through a time like this, um, it's a time to teach your kids uh, that God hasn't left them. In fact, mm -hmm. let's come to right now. And I, I remember reading Psalm 91 to them. Uh, he who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest. In, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And Diane and I wrote the only song we've ever written together, <laughs> In the Shadow of Thy Wings, I Find My Refuge. Uh, and we sang it and we we just came to the Lord with our worry. And, and the song says, it is there that I will take my burdens and my cares. It is only there my heart finds rest. So what an opportunity to teach your kids, hey, you're going to remember this time. In fact, they will remember this time. If they're at least four, they're going to remember it. And so what will yeah. they remember? They well, remember yeah. mom got angry or freaking out or, oh, this is terrible. Or will they remember my parents bringing me to God and walking with him through it? Yeah, I think, Diane, before you share, that's so funny. I think that you guys glossed over really quick that you wrote a song together. That's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's pretty well, impressive. I am to a poet. I just never thought of asking her to give me lyrics. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but one thing you just said, which is interesting, I was reading the Passion Translation of Psalm 91, and something stuck out that I, I had never really pointed out before, and it's now really applicable. But Psalm 91 verses... Uh, 9 and 10 says, when we live our lives within the shadow of God, most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us, or check this out, or disease infect us? Isn't yeah. that a, oh, wow. wow. It, it, it was such a great, I mean, I'd never obviously until this moment kind of pointed out, but what a, what a wonderfully comforting reminder to give our family during this time. Like, Guys, the Bible says even right here that God protects us even from disease, which is crazy. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you're you impervious to coronavirus. Obviously, you can still that can still happen. We need to practice wisdom. But my goodness, this idea that God is with us, protecting us, which is so helpful and so amazing is, is yeah. encouraging. 
So Diane, for, give us your, I was going to say, give us your perspective. So you, you weren't at work with Phil. Where were you during this time? And what, what was your experience with this? Well, bringing up Psalm 91 and in that version, the Passion Translation, which you know I love, just really strikes a chord with me because a disease that had infected my soul by the time the earthquake happened is one I'd kind of grown up with my whole life, and that is fear. Hmm. I just very fearful. Fear limited my life, and I knew it. And I was at a point of really surrendering this to God and asking him to to do whatever he needed to do to strengthen this fear. And ironically, my biggest fear was those California earthquakes. Mm -hmm. I just terrified of earthquakes, just terrified. So the earthquake hits at five, oh, was it 504? 504, something yeah. like that. And um, we had been away having a homeschool field trip that day with the kids. And by the time we were done, um, everybody was tired and hot and hungry and crabby, including and maybe especially me. <laughs> and so he, I was supposed to stop at the grocery store for something that I was supposed to pick up for dinner, but I just, at about 4.15, I just thought, there is no way I'm taking these three kids and their melting down mama into Safeway. Yeah. This house, so I made a quick executive switch of plan and said, we, we all need to go home and take a rest. So John Mark was in his room playing Legos. Elizabeth was in her crib taking a nap. And Rebecca was cuddled up on our bed with me. And I was reading her story to just kind of calm her um, oh, emotions down <laughs> from a stressful day when the earthquake hit. And we did what the earthquake planned that our family had planned about living in earthquake and having a mother terrified of earthquakes. We had rehearsed this plan. <laughs> we ran for uh, for a doorway and we huddled in John Mark's um, doorway because supposedly that's the strongest place. The frame of the doorway is a strong place. And we just held on to each other while the house shook. And I mean, I'm there watching. Um, we could see the kitchen from his doorway. And the refrigerator tipped, looked like it was going to fall completely. Instead, just the door swung open and out crashed everything that was on those trays in the door mayonnaise and ketchup and salsa and just milk. <laughs> And then the the direction of the shaking, one of my cupboard doors also just emptied all my glassware, everything crashing on. And as soon as the um, earthquake stopped, we, all four of us, ran, Phil's, you know, in his office, ran out through the living room, out the sliding glass door to the backyard where we knew there were no high tension wires and we would be safe. And, and instead of feeling the kind of fear that I would have imagined I would have felt, all I felt was just such almost exhilarating joy that we were all fine. My worst fear had happened. And the big one that we'd always been told to expect, the big one had happened and we were all safe. Wow. And of course, didn't know for at least another hour or two, maybe even, if Phil was safe. But we were safe. 
And interesting, one of the, so many of the stories that God used to cure to a large degree this infection of fear in my life happened during that earthquake. It's a sense of wow. if the work can happen and we're okay and God is all over it. It's like he stamped his signature all over the stories. Yes. Then then we're going to be okay. Not not that every not that all of life will give us the results that we want, but that he's so with us that he's almost an exhilarating presence with us in those times of our greatest fears. Yeah. I I'm wondering uh, too, you know, so we're talking about this concept of the kingdom at home. And you guys up to that point have been working on that. And so that's your perspective, of course, from that situation. It's so cool to hear how God like used it in different ways. A song came out of it, this beautiful family moments, but your youngest daughter at the time, who's also now sitting here had a perspective and honey, I'd be curious from you, like, you know, as they, as your parents were trying to create a kingdom of home and this being your first memory as I'll let you explain, but what was it like for you during that time? What were some of those elements as they've been creating this, the kingdom of home and the kingdom of Jesus in your home? What, how was that for you? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was four. And so I remember less about the events, although I do remember the actual earthquake. I remember the walls looking like they were moving and um, the whole house shaking. And I remember running outside and I remember the aftershocks really scaring me. Um, But what I remember more than anything is what our home felt like in the the wake of that. And I remember that night, I think we didn't have any power for I think it was a couple days or something. And everything was still a mess. Nobody could get a hold of anybody because phone lines were down. And we all camped out in the living room that night. We all had like a big sleepover in the living room. And yeah. I, that sticks out to me so much. I don't remember fear. I don't remember anxiety. Um, I just remember all of us being together. And then I remember us as a family caring for those who had been affected. I remember us trying to get a hold of people to see if they were okay. And I feel like, Dad, did we know Helen at that time? Did we oh, help yeah. take care of her? So there was this um, older widowed, right? She was widowed, I think. Um, anyway, oh. this older woman that kind of became a part of our family for a long, long time. and. Um, I remember checking on her just like as a family. So I remember really what what we're trying and and hoping and praying we can create for our own children in this time of um I re- I remember just feeling together as a family and I remember knowing that God was protecting us and that he had protected us. I'm sure because you guys must have talked about that a lot. Yeah. That everything or- got mom I remember you saying that that grocery store trip that we were supposed to have, all the shelves fell over when it happened. And so the likelihood of if we had stopped and been there, one of us could have been really hurt by the massive shelves falling over with all the heavy things on them. So I remember story after story like that. And then the funniest memory is I remember, Dad, the building that you worked in, bricks flew off of it from the earthquake. Yeah, it is. And you gathered them up and took them home because you wanted to like pave a walkway in our backyard or something. But I feel like we moved to like four or five different houses before you actually used the bricks. (laughs) So I just remember every time we had to move, all of us kids having to lift these horribly heavy boxes of bricks and move them to the next house. Did you ever use them? 
Yes, I finally did, but I, I actually gave some away. But they were really cool picks. That, they had withstood the, the, I think it's 1901 San Francisco earthquake, and then they'd withstood this one. So it were these Daddy really cool- Daddy nostalgic, cool even about bricks. And I, I wish we still had them because they were just perfect for a walkway. Yeah. And finally, when we moved to Portland, yes, we moved into to another state. <laughs> and they were horribly heavy. No, and, no, no, uh, no, no. We, no, we didn't move them. Your four kids moved them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. well, yes. Well, uh, so we want to make this fun. I'm going to have Elizabeth close us with a thought in just a second. Uh, but we want to make this interactive. So uh, we're all at home right now. We're in the process of creating kingdom the kingdom at home. And so what we decided to do was to put a little hashtag together. This is like obviously incredibly simple, but it would be fun. We'd love to, uh, if you want to take photos of you and your family as you guys are processing the kingdom at home and doing, whether it's a different activity or, or different moments as you're creating the kingdom at home, uh, if you would just use the hashtag the kingdom at home, and we would love to share that in our stories on Instagram and other social media platforms to just encourage one another during this process in time as we're finding ourselves more at home than ever. Uh, we have this fun little community and would love to use that. But Elizabeth, honey, why don't you, I know you had a thought really quick before we close. Yeah. I've just kind of been camped out in Psalm 34, which is just all about the goodness of God. And I've been reading it in multiple translations, but um, one of them is the Passion Translation. It has a bunch in the margin of what some of the words actually mean. But Psalm 34, 14 says, keep turning your back on every sin and make peace your life motto. Practice being at peace with everyone. And that just stuck out to me of this time at home with our kids. What if we practiced being a peaceful presence in our home to them, being at peace with them, being at peace with our spouse, and really inviting the peace of Jesus into our lives? But that word peace um, is the Hebrew word shalom, which has a lot of meanings. And I'm just going to read some of those over you. It means wholeness, wellness, well-being, safe, happy, friendly, favor, completeness, to make peace, secure, to prosper, to be victorious, to be content, tranquil, quiet, and restful. So that is what we're praying over our home. That's what we're praying over all of your homes and praying that you truly experience the shalom and peace of God and really experience his kingdom at home. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.